Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, where we've been is in Second uh, Thessalonians, and uh, we're finishing up the first chapter tonight. Paul was encouraging the Thessalonians, if you remember, uh, in the last section that we finished in chapter one. Uh, in last week, we dealt with uh, Christ and His second coming, which deals with retribution and receiving. <laughs> there's something. There's something happening there. Am I okay? Oh, I, I said, "Where's my Bible?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a prop. Oh, okay. you know, I was wondering about that here. No, no, no. I this no, I don't, I this don't. is the one you use right here, isn't yeah. it? I took your Bible. Here, let's trade. Is anybody going to use this one? No. no. Using a yeah, elevating this thing. You know, if I put this mic up here on the stand, you hear this. All the way through it. And then every once in a while it stops, and I guess I don't know what the deal is. Maybe I'm turning a page and I'm moving it somehow. Yeah. So maybe it shouldn't do it when I do it like this. It's just are real sense. Are you knock over grape juice with it? Yeah. I'll knock over something with Julie, I, move the grape juice to that side away from it. So now you have to take it for Okay. I knew something wasn't right. I, I figured I am I gonna steal somebody's Bible? I didn't think anybody used those. Okay. That's your Bible. No, I I didn't mean it that way. I I thought they were up there for the taking if somebody didn't have a Bible. But that was Bob's personal Bible. That's pretty serious when somebody takes your personal Bible. I'm glad to share it. I really am. I just wish they were reading it, not using it for I would much rather you be able to read and study it there. Anyway, last week we dealt with Christ's second coming, and um, that dealt with retribution, but it also dealt with... um, us, as far as his revelation to us, and and us coming back with him, even. But um, you know, there, there's a thing about the glorious future that people know they're going to have, and we need to have that. Sometimes we need to know about Christ coming back and all the joy that comes with that. And there's a triple impact there because, first of all, to them, they had to maybe start doubting a little bit about God's love or with what's going on in His program or His plan because of the persecution that they were getting. And so I'm sure there was some questioning. What, what is this? You know, this suffering about God's children. So he, he kept them thinking straight on what this is, and that's why he's reminding them. Secondly, uh, because of the serious persecutions, Thessalonians needed comfort, didn't they? They needed to be comforted and encouraged. So you see that in chapter 1. Definitely through there. And that was the very first one that we started with. We called it encouragement. Because that's uh, that's what it was to them. And uh, you think of 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18. For our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Because we are not looking at what we can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. And so that's what he has explained to them. And thirdly, it's about living godly. If you have Christ coming back, it is an incentive, it's a motive to live a Christ-like life. Uh, and, and believe me, those two are attached all the way through. Anytime you see the second coming of Christ mentioned, it's about also us living godly. So we see how prophecy is designed to give comfort, to encourage us, to motivate us to godliness, and to live a truly fruitful life in this life. You know, there's heavenly treasures that are coming, but we can have a uh, the treasure of, of Christ and, and this life here. Now, 
And this section here uh, tonight, the last couple of verses of chapter 1 before we get into the apostasy section in chapter 2, Paul prays for them. And we can learn a lot from this prayer. He's been praying for them all the way through the first letter and then also in the second letter. Uh, when you think of prayer, you have to think of what's known as the Lord's Prayer, or it's better to call it Disciples' Prayer, but the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy are you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's all focused on who? It's God, right? And that's what prayer is always about, at least to start with, and it is really about Him and His will. It's not about us getting our will and what we want, but we want what God wants. And if He gives the desires of our hearts, we will be wanting what He wants, and so therefore our prayers will be uh, lining up with what His will is. But we often forget about that. We really do. And um, of course, He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness will be added unto you. All these other things, right? Seek His righteousness. Seek uh, seek His kingdom, as it says in uh, Matthew 6. So that's Paul's focus on these new Christians in Thessalonica who are going through the severe persecution. And uh, so he's trying to show them that prayer is a priority as they live this life. And it is for us too. So we call this right kind of praying. And uh, before we get into it, I'm going to show a little bit of clip here. Um, we have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for Your truth and Your Word and Your Word about what prayer is. And may we can learn uh, a little bit more how we are to focus on that because it's so essential uh, to know and to be reminded all throughout the Bible. Your prayers are there for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Now, we'll, uh, this is dealing with the topic of prayer. Back to wretched and... What? Pastor Gabe Hughes, within 90 seconds, teaches a whole lot. What is he going to teach us now? Adrian? Ah, yes. Have you heard about that study that claims prayer doesn't work? According to a story in the New York Times, prayer by strangers had no effect on the recovery of people undergoing heart surgery, a study had found. The study was conducted for nearly a decade involving more than 1,800 patients. Whether or not the patients were prayed for, or even if they knew they were being prayed for, it did not speed up their recovery. It's one of the most popular studies skeptics have used to say, see, prayer doesn't work. But those skeptics and those who conducted the study don't understand how prayer works. There are qualifications for prayer. Psalm 66.18, if I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to my prayer. James 4.3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. John 14.6 says Jesus is the only way to the Father, and 1 Timothy 2.5 says he's the only mediator between God and man. So prayers to Mary, or a false version of God, aren't received. We are to pray in Jesus' name. Does prayer work? Of course it does, because the Bible says so. We don't listen to studies. We don't listen to surveys. How do you do that anyway? What machine do they hook up to people to determine whether prayer works? Instead, it was like, okay, so did you feel any different after that prayer? Did, are you, you sure? 
Okay, you didn't. It doesn't work. Gotcha, Christians! Don't be intimidated by studies and sociologists and supposed scientific studies about prayer or, frankly, anything else in the world of religion, in the realm of morality. They cannot hook up machines. These are simply stories that are fabricated and embellished so that you and I can get discouraged and not participate in prayer. But even then, the Bible does not promise God will grant a person's wishes. The Apostle Paul prayed three times for the Lord to take away what was tormenting him. But God replied, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said he would boast all the more gladly of his weaknesses, content with hardships, insults, and persecutions, so the power of Christ would rest upon him. Prayer works for God's glory before it's for our benefit. With thanksgiving to the Lord, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of Christ will come to you when we understand the text. Now, if you're good and conservative, which I realize was a bit redundant, you're probably thinking, okay, so prayer works because the Bible says so, but the Bible also teaches that God is sovereign and everything is preordained. So what's the point? You are correct when you say that everything is preordained, and that includes your prayer. This is this is kind of kind of choppy waters we're gonna try to swim in right now. But nevertheless, let's give it a go. God eternity past. He ordained everything that has happened, is happening, and is going to happen by his will. Now remember, he doesn't cause sin, but he does permit sin. He ordains everything. So you might conclude, all right, so if it's ordained for that person to die from that malady, what's the point in praying for that person? Good question. Your prayers are also preordained. That means, as God has written history, your prayers are included. Did God know you would or wouldn't pray? Absolutely, and that is why we do pray. That is why prayers do work, because God has preordained our prayers and the effects of our prayers. Let's just say Bob is sick. Sorry, Bob, if you're watching, but Bob is, Bob is sick. And you're thinking, well, I believe in sovereignty. Everything is foreordained, so if Bob's going to die, Bob's going to die God knew before eternity began that you would say that. He knew you wouldn't pray prayers that are efficacious, that do something. Now let's just say Bob is sick, and Bob might even be scheduled to die. And you say, but God is a great physician, and he tells me to pray because prayers accomplish much. I'm getting on my knees, I'm falling on my face for Bob, and I'm going to beg God to spare Bob's life. God knew that and determined whether or not he would respond affirmatively or negatively to your request. Do your prayers matter? Absolutely they do. Just because you're conservative, and you should be, do not let it cause you to think that God doesn't answer prayers because he is sovereign over everything. Prayers 
work. Surprise, next on Wretched. Sorry about that, Bob. <laughs> oh, man, sorry, Kate. I heard Dr. just sitting That's okay. We we like old Todd Friel. You guys like Todd Friel? I Penny, you gotta appreciate his humor. He's coming from where you come from. He's a rat. He's a he's a wretch. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get used to it. So who is this guy, right? Anyway, he actually believes everything we believe. Did you know that? He uh pretty well. Almost everything, yeah. probably. I don't know. I've never heard anything that I didn't. Anyway. Okay. If God is sovereign, does prayers work? Every one of you guys would say absolutely yes. Let's look at Paul's little program here before we get into the text how, as he prayed for the Thessalonians. All the way back to the first letter. Chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers. Um, Chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God. I like this. That when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Constantly thanking God. Chapter 3, verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account as we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. (laughs) He did for them, praying always, right? And verse 23, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty good prayers there. Continues on in his second letter, chapter 1, verse 3, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, Because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. Verse 11 and 12. That's where we're at tonight. To this end also we pray for you always, 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 that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 13. Oh, got to like this one. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation, through sanctification, by the Spirit, and faith in the truth. Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? Matter of fact, 
drop down to 16, same prayer. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Chapter 3, 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men for not all have faith. Yeah. Verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace Himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. Boy, that's heartfelt prayer, isn't it? Isn't that something? How much He prayed for them. and He really had their best interest in mind, didn't He? Well, that's why at the end of chapter 1 here, He closes out after He's talked about the uh, the judgment to come for the unbeliever and the reward that is to come for the believers. So he starts off to this end. Also, we pray for you always. He said that in verse 3. What ought, ought, ought always to give thanks to God for you. Um, where Paul has said, and this could be as to this end, he could be referring back to verse 5 where he said, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God from which indeed you are suffering. So he started that section to uh, deal with the second coming. He's talking about being worthy. And here in this verse, he's going to be talking about worthy. Uh, So the Thessalonians were enduring so that, that God would consider them worthy. Or it may refer to the previous verse in verse 10 when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who believed, for our testimony to you was believed to this end, to this verse 10's end, it could be that, that He be glorified in His coming. Uh, But either way, I think it it could be both. Uh, Leon Morris said this, and he's quite a commentator in himself. Uh, He says, The meaning is that they may so live between the moment and the judgment that God will then be able to pronounce them worthy of the calling wherewith He called them. So He's saying at that very moment right there all the way till the time that Christ comes back. Uh, Or is Paul praying that at the judgment uh, Jesus may say of them, well done, good and faithful stewards. So, uh, to this end, we we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling. Let's look at calling for a moment. Uh, the theologians use it in this sense, and almost always, this kind of calling is the efficacious one. There is many are called, but few are chosen. And that calling, it's not efficacious necessarily. It's, it's the calling to salvation, but there's a, a calling that is real, it's efficacious, it means it is salvation. It, it is uh, something like uh, Romans 8.30 mentions. Uh, you know that uh, golden chain? You guys familiar with the golden chain? Everybody knows the verse 28. And then you get and to t- uh, know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined... He also called.
called, there's our efficacious right there. Efficacious calling. This is for salvation. And these whom He called, those kind of called are going to be the justified, and the justified are going to be the glorified. So if, you're, if you read it backwards, you can say the glorified ones are the ones who have been justified. The justified ones are the ones who have been called. And the called are the ones who were predestined. And the predestined... are the ones He foreknew. <laughs> That's the whole chain. But look at that. So if, if you are His and you've been called, you will be glorified. You're already justified. And as far as God is concerned, He takes all this past tense and we are glorified. We don't see that yet. We haven't experienced it. So that, that's a calling right there. You see the word called, right? That's the calling that we're talking about. Chapter 11, verse 29 of Romans. Calling. Am I going too fast? 29, 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The calling of God. That means He can't go back on it. If you've been called, you're in there forever. Great security verse, isn't it? Romans does that, doesn't it? Galatians 1.15 But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me. said I'd preach among the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 1.26 Oh yeah, I don't like this one, right? Remember this one? 1.26 For consider your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the spies God has chosen. The things that are not so that He may nullify the things that are so that no man boasts before God. <laughs> oh, the calling, right? 1 Thessalonians 2.12 since we're dealing with the Thessalonians. Again, I, I, I think we even read this one ago. 2.12 2.12 We read verse 13. So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. That's efficacious, right? That's the kind of calling. So we go back to our Second Thessalonians. And we put that together to this end. Also, we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling. What's worthy? Being counted of. Worthy. It's a result of God's effectual call to salvation. It's not the cause of it. Because we're worthy, then He, you know, he brings us into the kingdom. That's not it. We don't walk worthy to obtain or merit salvation, but rather because God has saved us graciously. Worthy. 2 Thessalonians 1.5 He uses that word worthy. This is plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. If you're suffering, when you pass the test, you will be considered what? Worthy, right? And then even more worthy as we go through this life. It's, it's, they're already worthy. If, if you're a Christian, you're worthy. 
because of what Christ did. But you want to be even more worthy. Just like we are called to love more, keep loving more, you know. Be more worthy. Uh, Philippians 1.27 Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for faith of the Gospel. So conduct yourselves. Your walk. Walk worthy. Walk in a manner worthy of what Christians are. Ephesians 4, uh, after he has given us three chapters of great doctrine of what God has done. In chapter 4, he says, Now, here, you're empowered to do this. So he says in verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this is telling us how we are to walk worthy. And it's, you know, your, your family units, the church spreads out to the work world and everywhere, your neighbors and such. But definitely, you know, how does this work in the body of Christ and such, right? Well, you, we have humbleness. We are to be gentle. We are to be patient with each other. We are to show tolerance and love. That's how we're worthy. That's how we become even more worthy. So we take the Word of God and we say, ooh, this is where I need. I have room for improvement. Right? Do we all need to improve? Okay, this is what we're here for, isn't it? Colossians 1, 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will, what? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that we give Him honor, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And it goes on. Wow. First Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God and in much opposition. Ah, you know what? That's 12. It's verse 12. There we go. First Thessalonians 2.12. It's not 1 or 2. So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you in His own kingdom. Glory, which we read earlier. So, God wants us to be more worthy. More deserving to bear His name. He wants us to grow, right? Grow in His grace. More worthy. Increase our worthiness. We've already been made worthy. Now we are to be become more righteous, more worthy in that sense. Huh? Active. Now we do it. Um, how many times do you see a worthy walk? Walk worthy, right? Walk worthy. What does that mean? Okay, if you take all of these together, we're not going to look, go back on those verses, but... Humility, purity, contentment, faith, righteousness, unity, gentleness, strength, patience, joy, love, thankfulness, light, knowledge, walk at wisdom, truth, fruitfulness. All of those are dealing with a worthy walk. You have to have all of them. All of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have to have all of them. Every one of them. All the time. <laughs> Every one of them all the time. Awesome. That's why we pray always for each I'm each other. <laughs> we need help, don't I we? <laughs> well, we might join you there. But this is what we're learning, and this is why we uh, read the Bible on our own. This is why we uh, listen to sermons on the radio or wherever, on CDs, and this is why we come into Bible studies and worships. So we can how we are to live this. I was feeling kind of good because I can do one or two of Every once in a while, I get one right. Better watch out; we'll sit Todd Friel on you. Okay. To this end, also, we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling. So we looked at some of the worthies uh, and the callings, and we see what that means, right? So, and fulfill every desire for goodness. He's talking about our desires. Their desires. He wanted them for their desires to be fulfilled. You mean, God's not a cosmic killjoy? He He doesn't want us to have fun, does He? He doesn't want us to enjoy or have desires, and then he says, "Yes, I want you to have that." You go, well, that doesn't that doesn't match, does it? <laughs> well, the word "fulfill," he wants us fulfilled. What kind of life is this? This eternal life? It's a it's an abundant life, isn't it? Abundant life. He you guarantees. know the Christmas story and uh, Elizabeth and <clears throat> Mary and their uh, getting together. And uh, the joy and rejoicing they they are doing now in that you know it's like they 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 receive God's they receive their desires of their heart from God and, and were blessed with the fruit of that so they they're now just you know really really <laughs> really enjoying that so good point yeah that's right. That's it. So that's you know you're talking about God's not a killjoy; He's a He's a blesser. You know? That's exactly so what He wants to do. He gives us. The, I mean, they would have been happy with just any old baby. Yeah. You know, either yeah. one of them, they would have been happy with just any old baby. Right. And look at the babies they got. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Fulfill every desire for goodness fulfills every desire. That's what he prays for. The word fulfill there is plerao, and it means to accomplish, it means to complete, it means to make effective. Plerao, to fulfill. He want, He's there to bless us. He Really, blessed are, think about Sermon on the Mount, but um, he accomplishes it through so many different ways, ways we would never think of. But that's what he's doing. And that's what Paul prays for, that their their desires would be um, fulfilled. So he uses the word desire, and what's that? Eudokia. E-U means good. Uh, eulogy means a good word or a blessing, right? Um, eudokia means goodwill, good pleasure, desire, wish, that kind of thing. It's a good... Pleasure, it's a good will, a good desire. Uh, so he says, um, 
fulfill every good desire that you have. Delight in well-doing. Uh, Lightfoot, he's a Greek scholar, Lightfoot is. Delight in well-doing. Delight. Take delight in it. That's what God wants us to do. Delight. It should be a delight. It shouldn't be a burden. It never should be a burden. It's, it, to serve Him you know, in a, in a joyful heart. In Psalm 100, verse 2, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Oh, turn to Psalm 21, verse 2 and 3. This is good. Boy, these are some really encouraging passages coming up here, folks. I was just looking at these last night. And it's just, it just blowing my mind. It says reading this, You have given Him His heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of His lips. For you meet Him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of fine gold on His head. As the psalm writer, speaking of... Um, this, you know, matter of fact, verse one: O oh Lord, in your strength, and the King will be glad, and in your salvation, how greatly He will rejoice. Of course, ultimately, you think of the Messiah, but this extends to all of His children. You gave Him what He wanted. You gave Him what He asked for because it was good. Because you saw that it was good. Ah, uh, turn to thirty-seven, verse four in Psalms. a good thing to desire good things. God is saying, that's what I want for you. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. What? If it's something that you enjoy, does that mean, does that mean God wants me to do this? Yeah. If, if you're in His will, right? Absolutely. If it's not, and you say, yeah, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's something that, you know. There's something that you know is in the back of my mind. Oh, if I'm really having fun, it must not be something godly, right? <laughs> yeah, is this okay? I remember one time Kendall Adams, who's a real good friend of ours, and he was part of our Bible study for a few years and early on, and he's pastoring a church up in Iowa now, but uh, he used to, we used to have the Monday night Bible studies out at our house, and you guys, all you guys, I think all of you know how, how sometimes we've had Bible study, and then it just kind of continued on as we fellowshiped and talked about Scripture for hours on end. We went longer than the Bible study went. We, we went to, you know, could gone as long as midnight or more, right? You know, and, you know think of those those days, and, and still still is, but... Um, you think about that, and and he was doing that one night with us, and it was getting uh, close to around midnight, and he was he was a pretty new Christian, but he he knew he wanted to really do something with it, and uh, of course you know we'd just sit there and talk about scripture, things of the Lord, and finally he asked, he said, hey, is this okay to do this? And Carol and I looked at each other and go, what do you mean? He says to sit here and talk about all these things. What? Is it all right? This is what it's about. This is what we exist for, you know. And, but then and, you got to say why, because nobody else that would claim to be Christians around him would ever talk about these things. Right. Well, they go to church. They go to their Sunday school class or their Bible study. Boom, they were gone, and they never sit around and talked or had fellowship. Or it doesn't have to be after Bible study. You know, just 
normally doing that. It's just part of your life anyway. You do those things all the time. There might be other things that you talk about, but I mean, you're honing in on Scripture, you know. And, but that was the occasion because there were a lot of Christians that he was with, but they didn't have the excitement that he was that he had. And so, you know, these guys are upstanding people in the church, but they didn't take time to sit down with him and, and talk with Scripture and such. But anyway, um, that's kind of the the idea. Um, did we do Psalm thirty-seven four? Yeah, we just yeah. did, right? Yeah. Um, he he'll put those desires in your heart. He's the one who puts those there anyway, so that your desires and his desires are one. But you have to test those desires out. Are these desires what I want? Or are they what God wants? If it's something that doesn't, that's sin, first of all, we know right away, boom. Or if it's really just a waste of time, you know, because we are to what? Redeem the time. Make the most of your opportunities, right? So if we're wasting our time and it's really not edifying, then maybe it's something to check out. Are you saying, oh, I can't have any fun time? No, not at all. But, there, uh, we, you know, it's one of those kind of things. Will, will God give everything that your heart desires? If you're delighting in Him, yeah, He will. He will. That is a promise. Well, he fine-tuning <laughs> Yeah, He's always fine-tuning us, isn't He? But if you're doing that, then your desires are actually His desires, and His desires are your desires. So, how do you know where one is stops and, and the other one takes off? Uh, you don't really know that. If you're in tune with His Word, it doesn't matter, does it? So, well, if you've been in His Word and, and in His will, then uh, these should be the right kind of delighting uh, in those right desires. He'll give you what you pray for. If you're consistent with His desire, He will delight in giving you what He uh, has for you. And, you know, it's for goodness. If you're doing it for goodness sake, if you're good for, for Him, He'll fulfill that longing. Psalm 138.8. Let's look at that one. Psalm 138.8. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. He will accomplish what concerns me. So the concerns that He puts in my heart, the desires He puts in He will accomplish it. And He's doing that work. God's going to do what's on my agenda? Well, the answer is because it's already been made evident in, in that psalm there that His agenda was God's agenda. Wow, it's His. This is getting in tune with the Lord, right? Uh, Psalm 145, verse 16. Why I didn't keep my finger back there in Psalms, I don't know. Did you give us a chance to find it? <laughs> you got it? <laughs> you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. This is how good God is. Verse 15 says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Is anybody hungry here today? 
Oh, you might not have had supper yet. <laughs> Is anybody going hungry? Have you ever really gone hungry? Maybe if you did, it's probably been a long time ago. He's always giving us what we need. Nobody here is suffering because they don't have enough clothes on or coats or what have you. We all have a place to live. and I mean, it, those are just general basic things. How He continues to just do this. And we, got to, we, we walked in here and our eyes are working and we're hearing. Maybe not as good as we once <laughs> knew. Isn't it amazing though? We even take we take all that for granted. But those are just the things that we take for granted. Look at all the other stuff that he's doing, boy. And the desires of our heart. I guess so. I guess I guess that prayers really do work. That was the name of that. If God is sovereign, do prayers work? He does so much more. Oh, we can't even think. <laughs> We can't even we can't even imagine what he's gonna do when we pray. We we can't even hit the tip of the iceberg. And that's that's why the Holy Spirit has to help us pray. And we pray and we forget about the prayer and he answers it anyway. He answers it anyway. And we forget about that. Well, he is good, isn't he, folks? Amen. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And this is not positive thinking, uh, kind of uh, charismatic Christianity. We're talking about His desires though. His will. And uh, if you know His mind, His thinking, and if you know His will through the Word of God, He will do that. He will always do that. He says goodness here. The word is uh, agathe. It's dealing with uprightness, goodness. He'll fulfill every longing for what is good. There's only one good. That's God. But if you have Christ in you, you now have goodness in you, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now our agenda is God. He's simply saying, God, I want you to give them everything that they desire as long as it is good. Romans 15, 14. This is what Paul is always praying for. Concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. There it is there. These Romans were full of goodness. God gave them the desires of their heart. They were being filled with goodness. Galatians 5.22 is that fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We, did you know that every one of us have goodness now? Because of Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit. We are good. Not in ourselves, but in Christ we are. So we go back to our Thessalonians and fulfill every desire for goodness. That is proper biblical teaching on positive theology, isn't it? That is good stuff. That is not made up. It's not, hey, if I want an airplane, all I have to do is pray that God would give me an airplane. I can have a mansion. It doesn't matter. If I pray for that, I should have it. If I believe hard enough, never says that in Scripture. Paul here is, he's not even praying that they be even delivered out of persecution here. I don't see it. 
wish I could see that. He doesn't even say it here. Because he knows that this will make them worthy of the kingdom. So, Not that he would want persecution for them. Yeah, he can take that condition and make us change our mindset. That condition can be really good for us, even though at a time it seems really horrible. But he's teaching us. Corey Tenboom's story about her sister Betsy. Yep. When they were taken to Auschwitz and they took him back to that horrible dorm, and Betsy got down on her knees and thanked God. And Corey Tenboom said, I thought she was nuts, <laughs> but that house had lice, yeah. and because mm-hmm. of that, the, the soldiers, wouldn't. the guards wouldn't come in and rape and beat the women, huh. and they were able to have Bible studies. Wow. <laughs> that's lice. just, that's, wow. Who would have thought? <laughs> you you must remember the Corey Timboom story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't read anything about of uh, Corey Timboom. Excellent read there. Yep. Yeah, you go, well, that's God in action. Okay, uh, the work of faith with power, end of 11. The work of faith. Uh, That reminds us of Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, we love so well. And, of course, you get into uh, verse 8. We know that it's talking about grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift to God. We all love that one, don't we? Not as a result of works that no one may boast, but here's verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Boy, that speaks volumes. Good works. In Christ Jesus, there's the power. We have all the power we need to do His kind of works. And so Paul's praying that in 2 Thessalonians. The work of faith. It's His work in us as we work it out. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. He works in us. We work out our salvation. Uh, with fear and trembling, exactly. Taking that seriously. Taking Him as a holy God. Fear, that kind of fear is is a good fear. His holiness. It reminds me of R.C. Sproul. His whole ministry was revolved around the holiness of God. Um, Ephesians 3.16 That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power, dunamis, dynamite, through His Spirit in the inner man. Power. What's underneath the hood here? <laughs> God's power. Incredible. Colossians 1.29 I have found out the quicker I can talk, the many verses that we can cover. He knows nobody's turning with you because you can do it For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power, which mightily works within me. Power mightily works. I think that is dynamite, isn't it? Prayer for power. That's what He's praying for. The the power, the work of faith with power. And then we close off with this. We have a grand total of five minutes. 
so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we are about. This is what all Christians are all about. Glory to God. So you notice he ties all this up and it comes back to the one thing that we always say. Soli Deo Gloria. God gets the glory for His glory and by His grace. Do you notice glory and grace in this verse? There's a book out called by His, uh, For His Glory by His Grace. Glory and grace. This is the highest purpose. This is the highest motive. This is the reason we exist. What's the chief end of man? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The two go hand in hand. The desires of your heart. When you are content, you're getting your desires met in, in the way that you know that God does it, then you're glorifying God in the most, I think, visible way. When you're content in your position where you're at, whether it looks negative, looks positive, if you're, glor- if you're content in that situation, you are giving glory to God. Yeah. That's incredible. Reminds me of Edward's uh, religious affections. Ooh. That was such a great, great <laughs> That is a recommended book right there. That's the Christian life. Really good. Glorify means to make him look good as he really is. It's to make God look good. Does He need that? No, He doesn't need <laughs> us giving Him glory. He doesn't need it. He is perfectly content with everything. He doesn't need anybody to give Him glory. Who needs to do that? We do. He doesn't need it. He's got, he's got His Father's glory. Christ has His Father's glory, so it's like, can't get any better than that. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate, isn't it? Exactly. That was the part I felt like... Um, what she had left out, that this whole prayer idea is, it's not like we're going to change God's mind or, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like we're going to make something happen because we pray, but God gives us an opportunity to be part, part of, of what He's doing. Boom. So you hit the whole message on the head, we can close with that. <laughs> we're right at it. That's, that's what this is I about. I love that. Mm-hmm. If only the... The body of Christ as a whole would know that. It's kind of funny. It's like uh, we wouldn't really pray. Like, you know, the Apostle Paul, he said, I prayed three times that God would take this thorn from me. The Apostle Paul wouldn't be praying like that if he hadn't had that thorn. And it's like, you know, like they said, God knows all things. He knows when he's going to put us through trials, temptations, and struggles. you know, it's like we come to the realization that we need to be praying and that that's when our prayers are most effective is because God is humbling us to such a degree that that all we can do left is just to pray. Because, you know, even for myself, you know, I think that, you know, oh, God will take care of it, God will take care of it, but it's not until I'm broken down and praying that I really see God taking care of it. Because it's like, I thought that I could still do it on my own, like I didn't need to pray, didn't really need to try to worship. 
but then I'm broken down, and then it's like all I have left is prayer. There you go. That reminds me of David. What does God want of us? A broken and a contrite heart. That's where He wants us. He, you know, He's humbling us. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's how we uh, we learn God. Second uh, Corinthians eight twenty three says, "As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brethren, they are messengers of the churches, a glory to Christ." Glory to Christ. Uh, back to the Thessalonians. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you. The, the name um, is really about who He is. The name is His nature, His character, His attributes. The name takes in, take in all the attributes that you know of God, put them together, and that's His name. His name really means something. You know, it's the whole authority of it and such. To glorify His name means to demonstrate to the world the person and the work of Christ so that He is held in high honor, in high esteem. He's accomplished in all His work and He will accomplish all the rest of His work. Here's something that's... Oh, by the way, Daniel said it in Daniel 9 that his uh, God, you have to do this. You have to deliver Israel because it's going to ruin your reputation to the rest of the world. And you say, well, that's, you know, what's Daniel saying that? But what he's saying is his, they would see his glory in delivering them and, and doing that. And of course, God had already promised that. Daniel wasn't saying anything new. God had already said, here's what's going to happen, though. After judgment, then I'm going to bring them out. And he did. But Daniel was play, praying the very will of God. It was the Word of God. If you pray the Word of God, you'll never go wrong and you will get answers every time. Now, does that mean we shouldn't pray for our own circumstances and stuff? Well, you, we know better than that. Of course. Uh, this, this is really good. In the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you. This, this is the whole idea. If they're counting, if they're being worthy of the calling, fulfilling the desire, you know, their desires are good, uh, operating God's power, then Jesus is glorified, right? And you in Him. We're part of this. We're part of the deal. It's amazing. You in Him. It jumps forward to the future. When we return with Him in glory, we're not glorified yet. But we are going to return with Him, which He's already talked about to the Thessalonians, glorified bodies. And it, and it talks about even the close union, even today, that believers have with the Savior. Unified with Christ, even, even right now. Uh, and you'll notice that He says, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, God and Lord Jesus Christ. One thing, that can mean deity. Jesus Christ is God. Of course, you can also think about God the Father and then God the Son here, but according to His grace. It's by His grace. So, the aim of Paul's prayer is that the Thessalonians would be such a bright and shining testimony, and they already have been to the, to the world around them, to the reality of their salvation, which they have been. Paul wants even more. 
and that the Savior would be seen in their lives, uh, His being that He is in, in them. So the prayer was, was for the glory of God when it all was said and done, wasn't it? You have all that wrapped up. If you're living for Christ and you are taking your desires and making them uh, sure that they're His, uh, you live for Him, it is glory to God for our good by His grace, for His glory. Hey, Mick, would you mind closing us with prayer? Speaking of prayer, right? Yeah. Father, thank You for uh, our studies and our, our time with You uh, where we get to, to remember You and to go, go back to the idea of uh, spending our time with You. Lord. We need to remind each other of that. So, uh, may we meditate on this study tonight uh, for the future and may it be ever-present and uh, stick with us throughout the week. Um, Lord, we depend upon you uh, for all that we need and for whatever joy that we would like to have, Lord, we know that it's found in Jesus. Um, Father, uh, thank you for your Son, uh, the the one that we were made to worship, Lord. Um, thank you for our time uh, that we have here right now in this year and in this present era to share what we know and to share who we know. May we be, be ever bold and ever uh, grateful and overflowing, and may others see this, Lord, that. Jesus is our hope and the hope of the nations and the hope of our country and our communities, Lord. Uh, his name saves. and uh, This is all we have to be thankful for. Uh, everything else is just uh, superfluous. Um, may, may all uh, pale in comparison to the worth and to the price that is Jesus' blood uh, here on earth, Lord. May we uh, look forward to the future with Him as He reigns as King. And right now, may we live as citizens within that kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen.